0: Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 18 for an instruction from the Lord on humility to receive wisdom. Exodus 18 you see the interaction of Moses and his father-in-law God's hand in the conversation, in the direction, the humility of Moses, and the betterment of his health, of the administration of the people, and the peaceful departure after they met. Exodus chapter 18. I'd like someone to read with a clear voice, if you can, this morning, slowly and loud enough, Exodus chapter 18, someone please read the word of God, from verse 1, up until 27, the last verse.
1: Exodus 18. Exodus.
0: Oh. Good, good. Why don't we split the chapter? Major, you can read uh, one, through 1 through 13, and then uh, whoever else wanted to read 14 to 27, please.
1: Okay. Thank you, Joshua. Exodus 18, New King James Version, and Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God has done for Moses and for Israel, His people, that so the Lord has brought Israel out of Egypt. In Jethro, Moses' father-in-law took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Geshom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, For he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, the Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons, with her so moses so moses went out to meet his father-in-law bowed down and kissed him and they asked each other about their well-being and they went into the tent and moses told his father-in-law all that the lord has done to pharaoh and, and to the egyptians for israel's sake all the hardships that had come upon them on the way and how the lord had delivered them that they shall rejoiced for all the good which the lord has done for israel whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptian. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptian and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptian. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father in law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. Aaron came with all the elders of his Israel to eat the bread with moses father in law before God, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, the people stood before Moses from morning until evening so when moses father in law
2: saw that he did for the saw that he he did for the people he said. What is that thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statues of God and his laws. So Moses' Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God and you shall teach them the statutes and laws and show them the way in which they must walk and work and the work may they must do. Moreover, you should select from all the people a able men such as such as fear God men of truth hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands rulers of hundreds rulers of fifties and rulers of tens and let them judge the people at all times then I will be that then it will be every great matter they shall bring to you but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice. Sorry, the words are small for me. So, so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them head over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. So they judged the people at all times, and hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land.
0: Praise the Lord.
2: Praise the Lord.
0: We see that Jethro came by divine appointment because... The result of the interaction, the conversation was that Moses' Moses's burden was greatly reduced. The administration was more efficient in judging this two or three million people. We see some things stand out here that would help us spiritually One is the willingness of Moses knowing how tiring it would be how much it would take out of him to continue to extend everything in his power by the grace of God to meet the people's need. And it brings us this to focus which is Unmistakable and unavoidable from the scriptures that a person who would minister is a person who would serve, a person who would give, give until it hurts, give until they're emptied. We see the parallel in the New Testament to a much greater degree in Philippians chapter 2 as we look at Moses and how his father-in-law came and saw the burdens he was bearing in Philippians chapter 2 it says again in the New King James Version therefore if there is any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others, and this is the introduction here, in chapter 2, to the Christ, to the Messiah, how he epitomized and exemplified this in the ultimate way, Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. The Spirit of God is addressing me and you. He said, let that mind be in you, where you esteem others better than yourselves, where you look out for others' needs to be met, and not think about yourself all the time. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The emptying of himself. What we see immediately is Moses was bearing burdens. He was bearing the burden of the people, millions of them. He was ready to bear the burdens. His soul, his spirit was willing, even though his flesh was weak, His spirit was willing. And that's the quality of any true servant of God and it stands against us, our own profile, to see whether we're fit to be a Christian, a disciple, a minister, a servant. To look at that and look at ourselves and see if we connect to the truth by practice. If not, Go before the Lord and ask the Lord to help us to destroy self-centeredness and selfishness. Because such things, obviously, don't belong in the kingdom of God. The Lord emptied himself. Moses bore the burden. God Almighty, the same Christ we read about in Philippians chapter 2, sent Jethro. Though not explicitly stated, very clearly we see the end result. He sent Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, who had kept Moses' wife and children safe as the great leader and the people were journeying through the wilderness. Now he's coming back. And Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. He came with an expectation to be a witness of the people of God who came out with great deliverance. He heard about it. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Notice the names that were given, reflecting his experience and his acknowledgement of God Almighty. The names that we give to people, the names that we give to possessions, the names that we give to houses, the names that we identify with may revolve around the living God, may revolve around meaning constructed and derived from our relationship to God to exalt him, to reflect on the experience we have had with God. Moses named his two sons with a purpose. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her." He made an announcement. And Moses bowed himself and kissed him. Whether this is oriental custom or not, we see that Moses' relationship with his father-in-law was a very harmonious one. Both have mutual respect for each other and both feared the Lord. Moses knew the Lord in a manner that his father-in-law did not. However, his father-in-law is a man of faith. He heard about God, like Rahab heard about God and his might, and he humbled himself to acknowledge God and glorify God. We'll see in the conversation here that his heart is full of gladness when he hears Moses recount directly to his father-in-law what God did. Verse 8, And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardships that had come upon them on the way. And how the Lord had delivered them. Conversation that took place with Moses. And the father-in-law. Between them both. Centered around the Lord. His father-in-law was not a Jew, obviously. Was not a descendant of Abraham. Abraham. However, he was a man who respected the God of Israel. He was a man who delighted in hearing about God. The conversation that we have with even relatives, acquaintances, friends, neighbors. It must be limited if it doesn't center on the glory of God. Otherwise, sin is likely to creep in the conversation. And we will have regrets. And doors can be opened that we never intended to open, get ourselves injury. His conversation honor the Lord Moses was excited to tell excited to tell his father-in-law all that the Lord did and his father-in-law was very excited to hear But the miracles of God this man Jethro was not descended from Abraham through Isaac. He was not part of the promised feed. However, he came through Abraham's wife, Keturah. And God gives him an opportunity to come, not only witness from the story of the redemption that just took place through Moses, the very leader God has chosen, God's servant. But God gives him the privilege of expressing his compassion for his son-in-law He didn't come just to deliver the good, so to speak, to deliver the wife and the sons, his grandsons, and then go back, I did my duty. It was more than obligation. He loved his son-in-law. And he saw that his son-in-law was in trouble because he was a human being. Though Moses' spirit was strong, Moses' father-in-law saw That it was too much. Too much for him. To bear all the burdens of the people. We see not only the self-sacrificial. All-out sacrifice. All-out emptying of Moses. Ready to give every ounce of his strength. For the people of God. For the glory of God. For the building up of this primitive People, the scattered people who God, God gathered to make a nation for himself and to bless them the second quality we see is Moses' deep humility we see that he bowed himself he expressed his respect and he conveyed the miracles of God and when his father-in-law rejoiced and said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. And his father-in-law offered a burnt offering and sacrifice to God. Sacrifice to God. The high priest Aaron came, his son-in-law's brother, they all had wonderful communion and fellowship. The people we speak with, the people we connect with, must never be due to emotions only, must never be due to a commonality of interest in this world, but the deep connection should be with the people who fear God, the people of God. This man was a believer. He became a believer in God. Whatever priest he was back in Midian, he believed in God and he offered sacrifice to God. And God used him as his mouthpiece to speak to his son in law, the great servant Moses. Moses had an intimate conversation. He had a wonderful fellowship. We ought to have deep fellowship with people who fear and love God. What do we have to do with anyone else other than transactions in this world that are mandatory and seeking to win them over to Christ who is the essence of life and light Apart from that, the people, no matter how interesting they look or behave, they're in darkness, and darkness doesn't mix with light. The Apostle said, if you are not supposed to interact with the people of the world, sinners, then you have to leave the world. But we're in the world, though not of it, as the Lord Jesus said, We have to have dealings with people in the world. But it's up to us to draw the line every time. Otherwise, we will be towed and dragged over the boundary that God had set. And we'll become part of the darkness again. The people we need to have fellowship with are the people who love God and fear God. Those who turn away from the Lord those who are playing with sin, those who are toying with the world, who are backslidden, they pose a, a real threat to our soul's welfare. It's not cause for paranoia or undue fear but a spiritual caution to make sure that in an attempt to mollify the other person's dilemma if the other person is rebellious then us going over to the other person albeit naming himself or herself a Christian would be to invite ourselves over to darkness we have to be careful Moses knew his father-in-law was a noble person. His father-in-law enjoyed hearing about the living God and he feared the Lord and he sacrificed to the Lord. No wonder they had good fellowship. And so it was on the next day, verse 13, that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? He's not speaking about sitting or standing, but he's speaking about you're handling this by yourself. It's not right. It's not good for you. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Father-in-law, there's a need. That's why I'm here. There's a desperate need. The people need a shepherd and God has placed me here as his under-shepherd to be here for the people. When they have a difficulty, verse 16, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. It's a serious and vital ministry. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, As if to say, I understand that it's important and vital. However, the thing that you do is not good. Not to ministry. But The fact that you're bearing it all alone. Hundreds and thousands of people. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. We're going to hear a truth concerning this that may not be apparent. But let's continue, verse 19. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God men of truth hating covetousness and place them such place such over them to be rulers of thousands rulers of hundreds rulers of fifties and rulers of tens and let them judge the people at all times then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you but every matter they themselves shall judge so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will also go to their place in peace. A detailed counsel, with enough repetition to drive the point home to Moses, who humbled himself to listen instantly because Moses perceived his father-in-law was not just throwing his own two cents on the matter this is wise counsel God has chosen to speak through my father-in-law who fears God and Moses heeded so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said and Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. You see the self-sacrificial attitude and service of this great man, Moses. A man who Jesus says, speaking by the Holy Spirit, God says, the triune God, that Moses was faithful in all his house. He was dependable and expendable. All for God. Many people say, I'm all for God and God is for me. One for all, all for one, I for you, you for me, all kinds of statements. But I have to check myself and you have to check yourself, shouldn't we? To see whether what we say with our mouths, even what we pray, has any meaning whatsoever before God. Because if what we say is not true, everybody believes it and even we convince ourselves perhaps to believe it. If God doesn't believe it, then it's dangerous because we have been lying. I have to come to God and say, Lord, the lessons I'm seeing in Exodus chapter 18, am I able to absorb it and make a change where necessary? Am I still uh, approaching Christianity in a pragmatic way with a worldly mentality of what I can get out of it to make my life easier? Make me get more benefits? Am I a fake and a fraud? Or am I coming to Jesus dying to myself, which is the first step, before I can ever follow Him or take up the cross? To come to God and say, Lord, I need more crucifixion, perhaps. I need, Lord, to die to myself. Lord, I need to empty myself like Jesus did as we read in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Lord, how can I ever be fit to do anything for you in your kingdom, Lord, if I don't come to serve instead of seeking to be served? And the seeking to be served can come in an indirect and subtle way sometimes where while I'm serving, I'm still seeking reward from people who I serve. While I'm serving, I'm looking for some kind of gratification that would meet my ego. Instead of a pure stream of selfless sacrifice, Lord, I'm doing it purely for you and for the good of the people. Secondly, the humility to be able to listen. First of all, to discern whether this is wisdom from God Or wisdom of this world is a vast difference. We can either be blessed tremendously or we can suffer greatly because we either didn't discern whether this advice is from God or from the devil or whether we have discerned and we make that choice foolish choice to go with what sounds nice and to please man, please people please my flesh rather than please the spirit of God the surrender of the self is seen in Moses' life the meekness is seen and we see that in the book of Numbers also in chapter 12 in verse 3 Someone please read Numbers chapter 12, verse
1: 3. Praise God, Pastor. Um,
2: number Praise. chapter 12, verse 3, NLT version. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth.
0: Praise the Lord. Such a tremendous statement describing the character of Moses. The Lord himself has recorded that. The Lord has recorded that this man was the meekest person in all the earth in his time, almost all his life. This meekness is something for us to emulate and to check ourselves because very quickly we can switch modes from being meek to becoming proud. Even arrogant. Even oppressive. Even wrathful. The gamut of emotions that a human being can run through very quickly can go from a peaceful beneficial stage to a danger zone such is the nature of the flesh the old person that was crucified on the cross that is supposed to stay crucified when we look at ourselves, we can say, Lord, you've brought me a long way by your mercy. But I'm seeing in the life of Moses a meekness that was unique in that he, he was the meekest person in all the world. A meekness and self-emptying of the Lord Jesus, the ultimate example A breath of fresh air, atmosphere of life, heaven invading earth, when I can breathe heaven's air, which speaks of humility, which gives me freedom. There's no anxiety. Pride brings anxiety. It's inevitable, because pride comes before the fall. Fear will come on the heels of pride, sooner or later. But if I'm humble, before God and before man, I'm secure. Because I'm operating, in the principles of the kingdom of God, walking in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. Moses was instructed, by God through his father-in-law, Jethro or Ruel, he was directed by God to come to Moses at the time that Moses was engaged in this ministry. God, who knows all hearts, who is almighty, who gives the beasts of the forest rest, gives them tiredness that they can sleep and recharge. Oh, He's a great God. He's over everything. We can go to God for every single detail. He's almighty. Not like the fake gods of Egypt, or India, or Greece. The living God. One God who controls everything, who loves us beyond our understanding. Gave Himself for us so we can live we can go to him for everything God has recorded this man's name and this event he has highly esteemed Jethro how it is so apparent when we read the scriptures certain people found favor with God we may never hear a sermon on Jethro finding favor with God but he did because he was privileged to come and hear from God's servant, firsthand, about the miracles that God did. He was privileged to have fellowship with God's servant and the people of God, and to offer sacrifices and have a deep communion with God and the people of God and the servant of God. And he was highly privileged to give counsel to the servant of God. God is behind all of this because the man Jethro was also a humble man otherwise his behavior would be very different he would not have been used by God in the manner in which he was used these are lessons that we can gather correctly accurately because we know how God deals God is very predictable He comes directly and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In me there's light, no darkness at all. Abide in me, I in you. You ask what you will, that will be done for you. You bear much fruit. God says everything that we need to know. It's our joy this morning to look at Jethro and say, Lord, if... uh, man that was not even part of the promised seed can have such a privilege and favor I am part of the promised seed through Christ how can I get such favor from God have such joy and communion with God and his people how can I be free of anxiety and petty concerns how can I Be in the perfect will of God. Jethro was in the perfect will of God. So was Moses. What a blessed place to be. Now our privilege and calling is to be in that place all the time. And so we encourage one another this morning, in the word of God, by the spirit of God, to abide with Christ, be humble. Be self-sacrificial. Think about others and how we can meet their needs in the name of the Lord Jesus. And not think about ourselves all the time. Further, this lesson that may not be apparent, as I mentioned, is that the delegation that Moses was instructed to undertake, or provide for the people, in the service, in the counsel from those chosen men, under the guidance, counsel of his father-in-law, Has some prerequisites. We face quite a number of people who tell us you need to slow down, you need to take a vacation and get more rest, well meaning advice. And we have people that say where's your staff? Where's your youth minister? Where's your elder? Where's your deacon? You need to have a support system. You can't do it all yourself or two people. But the advice falters from being advice from God because although it's well meant it doesn't take into consideration that the people that would support the leaders of God, servants of God, need to be qualified to undertake that holy assignment or ministries. We can hardly read through this and see a nice get-together reunion And miss much. Verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men. Jethro was on point with God. He didn't just say as maybe many father-in-laws and mother-in-laws and parents and grandparents. Look at the situation, assess it from a human point of view human standpoint and blurt out some kind of quick fix even with a heart that's well meaning which can spell disaster but this man spoke with wisdom from above because he said you do need to rest from your burdens Moses There's a tremendous need. Do it. But you need to spread it out to men who can help you. But those men must be able men and the ability is not linked to talent but linked to character. Men that fear God. Men of truth. Notice hating covetousness, nobody can bribe these men the devil comes and says what's your price, name it some people can be bought with a nickel they're so greedy other people say I'm not that cheap keep your nickel the devil comes like how about five bucks Say, keep that petty five bucks the devil says how about Five hundred dollars. Keep those five hundred dollars. How about five thousand dollars if you just do this favor for me? Keep those. How much did you say? These men couldn't be bought. They were men of truth who feared the Lord. Place such people to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. And further advice is that they judge the small matters but bring the big matters to you. You see? The leader is not to be on vacation and absent from the ministry, as many do today. Seeking selfish ends and self-gratification. But the fear of God is in the leader and the delegation is to men who fear God also. They share the responsibility but the qualification is clearly laid out. How often we can read through scripture miss the very conditions and qualifications God has. God is a holy God. He gave a very detailed prescription of how people were to approach Him and how they were not to approach Him at the risk of death and being separated from the people of God, from the kingdom of God. And when we become holy by the blood of Jesus Christ, we still remember that He is God Almighty. We are children who are to fear Him and to love Him, who are to rejoice in Him, fellowship with Him, and yet obey Him. Be careful how we walk with Him, not in a servile kind of fear, as many people have been brought up with their parents, much of it through ethnic confusion, the collectivist, authoritarian, negative leadership in the home, but rather a loving, instructive covenant. in which framework the Lord says to fear me is to love me to love me is to fear me to keep you safe to keep the fellowship strong make you fruitful because I'm God Almighty God Moses didn't hold anything back in his service for the Lord and the people of God Can you be counted on, can I be counted on to be like Moses, to be like the Lord Jesus? Come to a point where life is not worth living at all, unless I live it for the Lord Jesus. Completely. No wonder the missionaries like C.T. Studd, A wealthy cricket player. Many, many years ago. Heard the call of God. He dropped everything. That if Jesus Christ be God. Then he died for me. There's no great sacrifice for me to make. That he's not deserving of. In so many words, I paraphrase. But he understood. And the fruit that came out of that solitary life was thousands upon thousands of Africans whom he loved. And he said, I refuse to go back to England. It's my family here. And they loved him. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully. People got transformed. They left all kinds of pagan, harmful practices. Most of all, they became children of God. Just like in the Middle East, through many daring Chinese people today, who have made it their mission to go from China to bring the gospel in very dangerous areas. People who cross into North Korea and will not go back over the border to safety. They've chosen to give their lives so people can come to know the Lord, escape hell and make it to heaven. To have that in front of us and to say, Lord, help me in all my weakness and all my selfishness, Lord, help me to follow the role model of Moses, the Lord Jesus Christ, and many follow the Lord today and then to be humble enough and to be wise enough to discern when God is speaking and say Lord that's for me I have to now internalize this lest it get away from me a deeper change oh God help me not to be proud anymore it keeps creeping up from time to time we may say Say, Lord, I've got to shut this thing down. Help me, Lord, to mortify this so I don't miss any blessings from you and I don't hurt myself and other people and most of all grieve you, Lord. Humility is the way to be blessed by God. And finally, to understand how real ministry operates and how the Lord Himself chooses people there's a minimum qualification as we heard two Sundays ago which has to do with character humility and love that sacrifices self for the good of God's kingdom and for others and a carefulness in the ministry to not treat it as an enterprise of human contrivance or someone's fancy of what ministry should be but that sacred solemn grave responsibility from God this has to do with eternity and I'm a steward you have to be careful who's involved in this by consulting God not by judging with any kind of prejudice or pride or oppression but in the fear of God as Paul told Titus Titus and Timothy how to choose people a mature mindset in how to serve God and how to lead others to serve God would help us to usher in God's kingdom in a tremendous way right where we live the ripple effects of that will cause God to shorten the time if possible so he can gather his elect we'll be at that great banquet dining with the Lord his people To be self-sacrificial, humble, wise, equals joy, peace, life. Perhaps today we can reflect on this and say, Lord, help me, help me, help, help me, help me, Lord, too extol these virtues but also to embody them work it in me today may I be conscious of being humble help me not to retaliate Lord open my mouth with any measure of pride whether visible or invisible to other people help me to be humble through and through Jesus meek like Moses meek like the Savior help me to be preoccupied with your glory and how I can bless other people in your name to live the truth and preach it and Lord to seek more counsel from you in understanding and discernment of how counterintuitive countercultural ministry is from your point of view from your commandments compared with what is going on today and why this mushroom ministry expansion happens but is eroded just as soon as it crops up because of no root there's no lasting fruit To say, Lord, I want to be just like you. I want to unite myself with your purposes. To be holy. To be self-sacrificial, humble. To have wisdom in how I speak. And whatever ministry you give me to do, to do it the right way, Lord. Without covetousness of any sort. With the fear of God. And then convey that. Not watered down, but exactly as I received it from God. God. So the fear of God may be upon other people who may co-minister with me or to whom I may have to delegate when God says to delegate or to pass the mantle. The Apostle Paul told Timothy I fought the fight the good fight of faith. I ran my course well. I finished my race And he listed the qualities in the epistles having to do with fearing God, godliness, running from immorality, fleeing youthful lust, hating the love of money, personal gain, all the things that bring spiritual leprosy. But to be healthy and to be a person who would be honorable before God. Praise God for such a legacy that we can leave. Such a life that we can live. As we see, Moses, even Jethro, and the men that were chosen, all the principal players in Exodus chapter 18, who feared the Lord, hated covetousness, couldn't buy them for any amount, could not get them to compromise men of truth all in the shadow pointing to the living Christ who is our ultimate example as we saw in Philippians chapter 2 shall we pray thank you Lord God thank you Father thank you Lord for giving us the things that make for life and peace and joy oh Lord unnecessary burdens that we carry masks that we wear that bring bondage because it's not the truth but to be free to care only what You say in what you think, what you command, Lord. And then, think about people. To have that pure flow from the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that these things that we can easily forget and easily file away in our mental cabinets Spirit brings it up. Your Word speaks to us, Lord. We can be the real deal, just like our Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you're the God who perfects us, Lord. You're working on us. And we have a perfect role model, a perfect goal. And we need to focus on that perfect Christ rather than look at the people who are failing and people who are looking for alibis and excuses why they vented and why they damaged themselves and other people. But to get that flesh under control, not by shutting its mouth, but by crucifying it, because it is the vehicle for the devil. Rather flow in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us to remember to be humble today. Help us, Lord, each of us, to have a greater awareness of self sacrificial attitude, esteeming others better than ourselves, not with an inferiority complex, but knowing full well who we are in Christ, giving the preference, honor, not for ourselves, but for others. And you promise to lift us up and honor us, Lord. And that's enough for us. Completely enough. And Lord, help us to be open to the Spirit's teaching and how to change our thinking about ministry and serving God and living for Christ and how to fellowship with people, what kind of conversation, how far to go how to gauge the spirituality of other people as you said judge not by appearance but righteous judgment to keep ourselves at the same time to convey to others how holy you are and how any offering to you any service to you must come out of a heart that fears you hates covetousness a heart full of truth we thank you Lord we praise you we thank you Lord we thank you Lord for setting our compass straight for calibrating Father exactly according to heavens calibration Lord our hearts our minds Lord I pray that your blessing would accompany the truth that we heard today you would exalt your people Lord bless your people may your favor go with us Lord that we may prosper in whatever we put our hand to today oh Lord I thank you and your healing, Father, your deliverance, Lord, for all your people who receive this word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.